lot of different stuff to get to. We'll catch up with Evan Damarell in about an hour from now talking Cavs. And that is where we're going to start the conversation today because there is mass hysteria over Darius Garland right now. It is, it is very touch and go with the subject of Darius Garland. Every day we wake up, it's a hit or miss to how the fan base is going to react. I want to try to talk you guys off the ledge because so here, here, here's my perspective on this, right? We have, we have questions about Darius Garland as we inch closer and closer to the playoffs, obviously. We also have questions about J.B. Bickerstaff. And so of those two things, and I'm not trying to put, you know, stack them up against each other and say, well, which one? Pick one. But if I'm sitting here today, the reason I'm not as up in arms, I guess, about Darius Garland is that I've seen him do it before. Maybe not so much like the crunch time moments where he takes over and and hits a big shot, but I've seen him be a prolific scorer, be a distributor. Like we, he was an all star not too long ago, and he he he's done some things throughout his career. We're not so far removed from Steph Curry saying that Darius Garland is going to be like the next great point guard in this league. So I I, I think the talent is there, and I think the ability is there, and I've seen him do that versus juxtaposed, I should say, to J.B. Bickerstaff, who we still have a lot of questions about because we just haven't, frankly, seen him do it. We haven't seen him go out there and and, and make the adjustments in a playoff series. We haven't seen him um, put it all together to get his team uh, through a a seven-game series and, and win those games, and we've had some questions even during the regular season about his rotations and about the way that he does things and some of the late game management. That's all stuff we're still waiting to see from him versus Darius Garland. I have seen it. The problem right now with Darius Garland is that he's, he's having an identity crisis. And, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Or I should say multiple reasons for that. Because, yes, he had the injury this year, which he's coming back from. And I, I listen, I understand he was out there getting shots up. But this team transitioned to the style of play that they kind of advertised they were going to play. And they did it without him for over a month. Like, that can be a hard thing to step back into. And what's funny is I actually thought it would be a harder transition for Evan Mobley than it would be for him. And we will get to Evan Mobley here in a second because I have some thoughts on, on him as well. But as, as far as Darius Garland goes, he, he's having an identity crisis because he doesn't know where he fits within the scope of this offense that they're running. And I don't know that he knows exactly what his role is. I think some of that has to do with the insertion of, of Donovan Mitchell these last two years. And that doesn't mean you don't make the trade. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't go get a star player like that if you have the opportunity. I will never, looking back on this this contra- the, 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 the trade and everything, I will never begrudge Kobe Altman and company for going out and trying to get a star player here in Cleveland. Not, not even remotely on my radar in terms of things that I would criticize this organization for ever. I get it. But I do think on some level, yes, you have this young team. And they're trying to figure out like where they were trying to figure out where they all fit and and how good they really were prior to this. Now with Donovan Mitchell here, they're trying to figure out where they fit while still developing around Donovan Mitchell. And that can be a hard thing to sort of concede to another star player. That doesn't mean they don't get along. That doesn't mean they don't like each other. 
yes, th- th- like this conversation doesn't end this season no matter what happens in the playoffs. If Donovan Mitchell's back next year, if Donovan Mitchell signs an extension, which I feel is more likely than not at this point, then I do think we get to that there will be a, a a a crossroads, if you will, where we have to have a serious conversation about all right, are you take are you are you keeping Donovan Mitchell around or are you keeping Darius Garland around? That's not a conversation we have to have right now, although I know that amongst the fan base, that seems to be the conversation a lot of people are having. It seems to be the thing that people want to start discussing because they don't think Darius Garland is a fit. Now, it's too late. You can't trade Darius Garland right now, if you, even if you wanted to. And I, I can understand some of the sentiments there of where this is coming from. But the reason I'm going to be a little more patient with it, because, and I, I mentioned this a couple weeks back, you can't treat the NBA the same way we treat the NFL. And even when we do it with the NFL, it's a little excessive and, and over the top. But we can't sit here and each and every game just, I understand if it's a consistent thing, which I guess the last two weeks it's starting to be with, with Darius Garland, so fine. But we, we can't just sit here and point to one thing constantly and be like, oh, that's it. He doesn't have it. He's garbage. Get him out of here. And I think that's where we're at with Darius Garland. Like, everybody's ready to ship this guy off to whatever ta- whatever city and, and, and make a trade. And I, I think, like, it's okay to say that you want to, to – uh, that, that they need to give it more time. And to me, like, that's the best solution because, like, benching him at this point, like some people have suggested, what does that do? Stunts his confidence even further? That's not what you want right now. You like the only way for him to get through this and figure out what his role is is to get Donovan Mitchell back out there, get those two playing alongside each other, and and get him basically shooting through it, like just working his way out of it. That's the only like time is the only thing, and I understand time is of the essence because we're later in the year. Like that's the you wanted to be able to iron this out in December and January and all those different things. Yes, but that wasn't the the, the hand that, that this team was dealt because of the injury to Garland, the injury to Mobley. So now you got to figure it out on the fly. In the same way that Evan Mobley's figuring out on the fly how to be more of a stretch four player and shoot more threes, which he seems like he has no confidence in doing, you got to do the same thing with Darius Garland. I get the frustrations. I get it starting to become more of a consistent thing. But the only way out of this with him right now is forward. There's no going back. There's no trading, and there's none of that. And that's a discussion we can have in the offseason. But I'm not just, like, I, I I guess what I'm trying to get at is I am not just folding up shop and, and, and phoning it in in regards to Darius Garland because I've seen the talent he could be. I've seen the player that he, 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 he is and that he was. And I think there's an opportunity here for him to continue to grow and mold into the, the role that they want him to before we just, it, it comes down to this. How much time is enough time for a group to sort of figure things out and, and mesh? You see around this league all the time that guys get together, the star players all team up, and then things run their course. And like for the Warriors, they were so damn good. They go out and they win a championship the first year with Kevin Durant because they were just so unstoppable. And like the Heat, 
when LeBron went there. Like it, 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 and I understand. Like I, we're not trying to say that the the Cavs at this point are at that level of super team as those two teams that I just mentioned. But yeah, like it can take time, and that's what leads to guys essentially deciding, yeah, I want out. Is they get to a point where it's it's run its course, and so you're 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 met, you're playing with you're you're flirting with the clock a little bit because. You know that Donovan Mitchell isn't going to just see this thing through forever if his number one motivation, as we've been told over and over and over again by Sham Sharania, by others, is that he wants to win. I do think it's more than likely he signs an extension here this summer, sticks around, and then maybe in a year or two, if he decides, like, all right, I, I got to start winning championships and it's still not working, then he wants out. But it's a young, like, we keep talking about how young this team is. Like, Darius Garland is 24 years old. He hasn't even theoretically entered his prime years yet. Evan Mobley still will be, be like before he's entering his prime. Jared Allen's a different story, but I think Donovan and Jared Allen, we've seen those two sort of work so well together during that stretch when those two other guys were out that it's it's hard for me to sit here and say, like, okay, like he I think we know generally what Jared Allen is at this point. But the other two guys, like, there's still room for them to develop. I understand we won it all at once. I understand you're looking around the league and you're like, man, Chet Holmgren, that guy basically sat out his first year, and then year two he comes out and he's balling. And Wemby, he has some games where he's he's okay, and then he has some games where he's totally dominant, and you see why he was the number one overall pick and why this is a seven-footer who's going to absolutely change the game moving forward for years to come. But it's okay to admit, like, yeah, Mobley's not there yet. It's also okay to admit, like, the, the Mitchell trade could have stunted his growth a little bit as well. And honestly, if I'm if I'm talking about the two, I am more, I think, frustrated right now with, and I don't want to, when I say this, I don't mean it as a shot at Evan Mobley himself. I'm not saying that I th- I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with Evan Mobley, that, like he's not putting in the work or something, that he's lazy and he's not trying. But I, I by year three, I do think we all expected to see a little bit more from Evan. And it doesn't seem like his, his shot's much better than it was. He seems hesitant to, say, to take some of those mid-range jumpers and even the threes that he's now trying to work more into his game. And I've said it before, like if he's going to be an actual threat from out there, and I've, 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 I don't know that he needs to be long-term. If he becomes like a Giannis, that's fine. He doesn't need to be some prolific three-point shooter for him to be a dominant force in this league. But he does need to get better off the dribble. He does need to shoot more jump shots, mid-range and otherwise. And he needs to get more confident. And that's the thing I think is, is missing from his game right now. Like by year three, I thought he'd be a little bit further along in like the, the process of not thinking so much and just reacting and making the plays that need to be made because he has the ability and the talent to be that type of player. Again, I'm not saying he's garbage. He still is one of the best defensive players I think of across the board in this league, hands down. On the defensive end, he's fantastic. The offensive end just hasn't come along. And if that's part of Donovan Mitchell being inserted here, fine. But this is where it also goes back to the coach because a good coach is going to find a way to circumvent those circumstances. And even though Donovan Mitchell might be the alpha on this team, 
the guy that you want taking the last shot in the game, he finds a way to bring Evan Mobley along with him so that they're both ascending together and Darius Garland, frankly, and they figure this thing out. 216-474-0092. Temperature on the Cavaliers after the back-to-back losses to start the home stretch of the schedule. Are you more frustrated with Garland? Are you more frustrated with J.B. Bickerstaff? Are you more frustrated maybe with the the slower development of Evan Mobley that we're also seeing go on on the offensive end of the floor specifically? We'll keep this conversation going. Evan Damerol answers some questions about it. Also coming up, an interesting theory from Chauncey Billups about what could have been in the early 2000s. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Got a ton of great stuff to get to. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German with you here on a Sunday, 92 through the fan. First time I watched SNL in back-to-back weeks for the first time in a long time for very different reasons. Very different reasons. Last night was because I thought Shane Gillis was going to be hilarious, and he was. Next week is a completely different reason. But you guys don't know what I'm getting at, I think. Um, But we are going to play. We got to talk about a a sketch they did last night that was absolutely hilarious. Because what's funny about it, the funniest part about the sketch, is that I've actually thought about this before. So we'll talk about that coming up later in the show. Uh, we got Evan Damrell set to join us at 11 o'clock as we'll continue the Cavs conversation, obviously, with him. Uh, we do have a Brown subject to get to. A bunch of different things. whole bunch of topics at hand. So we appreciate you guys jumping on in with us. 216-474-0092 here on a Sunday morning. And I'm uh, I'm ready to get to the phones. And it's already people lining up to say they're ready to trade Darius Garland. So we'll, we'll get to you. And I'll hear you out on this. I just, I'm trying to talk you guys off the ledge a little bit because, like I mentioned in the first segment, unlike JB Bickerstaff, we have seen, we have seen Darius Garland do it before. We have seen him perform at a high level on, in this league, on this stage. Even in the playoffs last year, like, he became in some of those games the uh, best scoring option. And the most reliable scoring option. There's still some growing pains there. But I, I honestly, and I, I think it's pretty obvious what we're seeing here. Like, there's an identity crisis. He isn't sure what his role is, where he fits into it all. He's naturally a point guard, but he's got to sort of share that responsibility with Donovan Mitchell. And I think the most concerning thing, even though I, I brought it up on Friday night, like I harped on it big time, of course, without Donovan Mitchell, this team's not going to be the same team. And the people who are pointing to that and saying, like, well, they need to be better without Donovan Mitchell. I, I, like, yeah, I guess, but I don't know what you're expecting. Like, the, when, when any team loses a star player, they're not going to be as good. Do you hope that the guys step up? Yes. But it, it's, like, to me, that's not the end of the world. That's not, that's not seeing the forest of the trees, if that's your argument here. The argument here should be Mitchell, or rather Garland, was on a trajectory towards developing, towards being, like, a guy and it's kind of been stunted a little bit here based on sort of the the changing of roles, and that all comes with the territory of bringing in Donovan Mitchell, so fine. You you kind of just run with it and, and eat that and own that and play. But I, I can't just throw in the towel on him, even though he's struggling right now. I, uh, I want to see where this thing goes. Like, this season was... I shouldn't say it was just about this because it was about bringing Donovan Mitchell back and convincing him this is the place he wants to go. But I think that that's less of a concern right now than maybe people might think. The Knicks don't really seem like a viable option. 
the there's there's not a lot of teams that have a max space available. I think the 76ers are one that actually would give them give him a chance to win a championship the way that everyone keeps saying he wants. So I think it's likely he resigns, and then we continue this conversation the next year where he's trying to where you're trying to convince him to stay. But listen, like if he's looking around the league, you're better off right now unless you know for sure there's a max spot available you can go to and team up with some great star and force your way out to, to for the next big free agent class that's looming where you're like, oh, man, I want to team up with this guy. Let's force our way to the same team or whatever. There, there's not a lot of places to go. And so if your options are a young Cavs team that could get better or just some random team somewhere else, then, yeah, I think you stick it out for now and you see where this thing goes. But it all depends on Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland's development. It all depends on Evan Moby's development. And those are two things I think we're seeing are sort of still a work in progress, I think is the best way to put it. And that's where I think the focus for me turns back to J.B. Bickerstaff. I'm not saying he's a god-awful coach. I'm not saying, you know, he he's he's done some really good things, and particularly this year. He's he's out of his comfort zone running a 10-man a 10, a 10 rotation. I give him credit for trying to make that work and utilizing the talent that he has. He has such a deep team, he has to. That should be a weapon for you, not a not a weakness. But I, I think he's trying to sort through that. I also think it, it takes a good coach to keep a team together when you lose two of your star players the way that they did and be where you were going into the All-Star break. So I applaud him and commend him for that. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. Sometimes there's a coach that is built for a young team, getting them to this stage, and then you got to start thinking about, well, who's the guy to take it to the next level? Who's the guy to take you deep into the playoffs? Those are the types of conversations that I think have to happen next. And if if Evan Mobley isn't developing the way that they want him to right now, yeah, that's another thing that falls on the lap of J.B. Bickerstaff. So we'll have to see how the playoffs go. I don't think he's getting fired now. But we'll see how the playoffs go, and then we'll revisit that conversation. But I, I, I don't know that I'm just willing to give up on Darius Garland the same way others are. Let's go to the phones, 216-474-992. Sounds like Denise is ready to give up on Darius Garland. What's going on, Denise? Yeah, I'm over Darius. Um, last year, um, I didn't just start this this year. I felt like this last year. If Darius was, you know, where he was supposed to be or what we expected him to be, we wouldn't have had to go out and get Donovan in the first place because I thought that was going to be his role on this team. Well, and I it- will say, Denise, I don't know that it was so much about, well, he's not developing the way we want him to. And so let's go get Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he was only 22 years old at that point. Like, you, you got to give the guy some time. I think it was more about they thought he was going to keep developing, and they wanted to pair those two together because it was like, well, we have a chance to go get a superstar player. Let's go get a superstar player. But with Darius, for me, um, we, we showed over that stretch where we won a bunch of games that we can play just fine without Darius. But what we have discovered with um, Donovan being sick for two days, we can't figure it out. I think that him and Mobley have started to become an issue for us because I think Mobley is so – he's so soft. If he don't go and get some cornbread and do something, <laughs> I just don't know what I'm going to do. When Tristan was there, Tristan was kind of, you know, trying to give him that thing yeah. where you could – Well, and that's, and that's Tristan's game for sure. He's, he's a physical guy, no doubt. But I thought he was going to learn from that, though. I thought he was going to take that – and be like, you know, maybe I don't have to be Tristan and, you know, and put you in a headlock, but I thought he was going to be, you know, a little tougher. I think that players in the league don't respect his 
his, you know, his G because he, he goes down in there soft. And I need for him, you know, Jared Allen takes his lunch every day. He takes his lunch with him every day, and he goes down in there, and he's not afraid to be there. Mobley doesn't look yeah. comfortable. He looks soft, yeah. and he needs to toughen up, and we need to get rid of Garland. I'm saying mm. you okay. better get rid of Bickerstaff than to get rid of Garland. Bickerstaff showed he could coach without Garland. Garland hasn't showed that he could play without Bickerstaff. I will say, Denise, and I appreciate the call. Thank you for giving us a ring. Um, you mentioned Moby being soft, but I think you're hearing the same thing about about Jared Allen. Like you, you mentioned, he brings his lunch every day. I'm not saying he doesn't play hard, but I mean, I watched as much as I could, being uh, that I was live doing a show, and then I kind of did like a rewatch at home, uh, a quick one, um, like the Spark Notes version of a rewatch. <laughs> but like Jared Allen, he was getting bullied by uh, Mo Wagner the other night. And and he and 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 Jared Allen was the one who w- was quoted as saying after the Knicks series, "Well, you know, the lights were too bright. That was him, not Mobley." So, and, and that's not to say Mobley isn't still trying to kind of find his place in that part of his game. Like, wh- where can I assert myself? How do I assert myself? That could still be part of the development process for him, and I'm willing to accept that. Allen, though, like Allen is an established guy in this league. And so, yes, I'm willing to say that he's like a bring your lunch pail to, to, to work with you everyday guy. But at 25, like, we kind of know who he is. And, like, he's equally been criticized for being soft along with, with Evan Mobley. You can't have your two guys, your two top players that are supposed to be the uh, basket defenders for you, the interior, the, the front court players. You can't have them both. Be characterized as soft, and that, and honestly, like we sit here and talk about concerns we have. I'm, I'm, if I'm, if I'm ranking those things right now, my number one concern with this team is that thing that Denise just mentioned—the softness factor. It's not just Mobley, it's not just Allen. It's, it's, it's a mentality thing. You bring in a guy like Max Struess, you bring in a guy like George Niang to hopefully you bring back Tristan Thompson, as as she alluded to, to hopefully. Help the team establish a better identity of not being of being a more physical team, so that you don't repeat history uh, when you get into a series against the Knicks or whoever in the playoffs. But sometimes, like if that's the characteristic of your team, that's just the characteristic of your team. I don't know that that's something that you learn over time necessarily. You can try. You can bring in the Max Struces who come from the Heat culture and and all this different stuff and try to. Uh, change the the mentality of that group but it doesn't always happen that way like sometimes if a guy's just built that way that's just the way he's built and there's nothing you can do about it I hope that that's not the case but that really is probably my biggest concern over anything over Garland uh, Garland's play right now over Mobley's offensive game still kind of coming along um even over JB Bickerstaff 216-474-0092 on Twitter at Spencito underscore if you want to hit me up and chime in on the Cavs conversation, which we will continue to ask Evan Damarell about when he joins us in about 30 minutes. Uh, pick his brain about what's going on with, with Darius Garland. Does he think he's a fit here long-term? Um, all these different things. And I understand where the outrage is coming from. I understand... We have higher expectations for this team. I have tried to temper mine. 
I, I, I think I've dropped this line like at least twice a week over the last couple weeks now where if you set yourself up for disappointment, you can't be disappointed. And that's where I'm at with this thing. Like last year, I, I, I love to be big time homer forefront of making bold predictions about a team when they first kind of arrive on that stage, which was me the last two years. I was saying two years ago, Cavs win in a playoff series. And then last year I was saying Cavs to the conference finals. And then what happened in the first round happened. And this year now I'm like, okay, they bit me in the, it bit me in the ass. I got to temper my expectations and I haven't raised them past win a first round series to this point, which if you if you're thinking about the Donovan Mitchell situation and trying to keep him long term, you kind of need more than just a first round series to make it feel like, yeah, we're 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 going places. This is the place that you need to be. Let's go back to the phones. You got Eric in uh, Cam's corner. What's going on, Eric? What's up? How you doing, Spencer? I'm good, good man. Morning. What's going on, man? Good, good. You know, I'm always motivated to talk Cavs. Um, and you know, you know, we're talking about Darius Garden this morning, and you know. We watched him go to the All-Star game here, and he was unanimously unanimously voting in by the coaches. There wasn't no player reserve type situation, and he played very, very well. And, um, you know, I don't I don't understand, you know, what his mentality is right now because I'm watching the game against Philadelphia and against Orlando. He's over-penetrating. You, you going down into the lane, guys are 6'8", 6'9", 7 feet tall. You're, you're 6 feet, 6'1". You don't. They gonna reach in and take the ball. He's over penetrating. He's not looking for his. Shit. He's not even really looking at the rim, and that's the problem. Yeah. So how is how is Evan Mobley gonna look strong when the ball is being turned over nineteen times? And that's one thing that we didn't suffer through when Mitchell was in. He was you know he was aggressive and he was aggressively getting people the ball. And you know you watch Tyrese Halliburton, you watch Jalen Brunson, and all these guys' games have been elevating while Garland is going, you know, in a different direction. So maybe maybe he is in his own head, but if, in fact, he's playing that way, yeah, Evan Moby not going to look good. I mean, he's 215 yeah. pounds, so he's going to get pushed around a little bit. That's that's evident. I think but, what's uh, – real quick, Eric, I think what's also interesting about Garland right now is is you mentioned over-penetrating, but it also just seems like he's not necessarily always aggressive enough to, like, blow by a guy. Like he's mm-hmm. not he's not attacking as much as he he did that year. He was an all star, and I and again, right. I, I fairness to Garland, I think there's context for that. Like he's gotten beat up the last couple of years. Last year he had the I believe he had the head injury. This year he had the jaw injury. Like I think some of this stuff is, is like he, some of the hits he's taking maybe has him a little bit more hesitant too. Like he understands his his body isn't going to stay up like hold up against some of these guys. Right, so right. I, I don't know if he's in his own head, but it does kind of seem like it's more of a mental thing right now for him where he's not attacking and and like I don't know how he snaps out of that, but the only way to try to get him to snap out of it is to keep letting him play through it during the regular season when the games don't matter quite as much as a playoff series. No, I, I agree with that, Spencer. And, you know, and I and I understand, like, the, against Orlando, he went three from five for, from three. Well, shoot ten of them. Yeah. They, then you don't have to go down there, and then maybe you can get some space because if, if guys you know going to you know crowd upon you shooting a three, then you can probably blow by them. And I and I think that's the thing that's frustrating about these last two games for a lot of people is they want him when when Mitchell's not out there, they want him to be the guy that's like you know what we're in a close game, I'm going to be the one firing the threes to try to get us a win. Like that's mm-hmm. what I think people are looking for, and so when they don't get that. I think it, it just adds to the frustration because he's not being he's not being a killer. 
He doesn't have that right. killer instinct right now, and maybe he he never will. Maybe he never did. Um, but I, I think that's the thing that's frustrating people even more so than just like the the struggles that he's going through as he works his way back from this injury. Eric, I apologize, man. Thanks. We're, Thanks. Up, no, you're good. we're up against you. it for a break, but I appreciate you jumping on in. That was some good stuff from you. Two and six four seven four double nine two. We'll continue talking, Kaz. We'll continue talking, Darius Garland. Also, when we get back, guys, Chauncey Billups threw out an interesting scenario. I want to ask Evan about it, but I also want to ask you about it. What if the Pistons had drafted Carmelo Anthony in 03? How would that have changed the, the, the legacy that we know of LeBron James moving forward? We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll continue the Cavs conversation as well. Keep it locked. We'll get to your calls, your tweets, and more when we get back on 92 to the Fan. And I have an interesting what-if scenario for you guys here to get to as well, which I do want to ask Evan Damarell about because I, I saw this pop up over the weekend and I uh, I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was fascinating because it's in relation to LeBron. But before we go there, we'll keep the Cavs conversation going. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter at Spencito underscore. Also on the phones, 216-474-2982. We go to William in Willoughby. What's up, William? How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Won't hold you long. Uh, the Cavaliers' problem is not the players like Donovan Mitchell and uh, Mobley. You know, peers are there like uh, Steph Curry said, them guys can play. They can play. You, they can play. The problem with the Cavs is this coach. Uh, if you can win without your second and third best players and you can't win with your second and third best players, it's something going on there. Anyway, uh, stop is not the, it is the problem, and he always will be the problem. The Cavs are in second place now. People must remember, right after before the All-Star game, they, they lost to Philly at home, and they were down by 17. Then they played Chicago, and Chicago took them to the last minute, which they shouldn't have. That's just the coaching. They, they, they don't run any play. He comes back with Mobley saying Mobley needs to shoot three. No, he doesn't. He doesn't shoot three. He can't shoot three. He's a well, seven no, foot so wait, I don't. I don't think he needs to shoot threes. I've been very adamant that if he can turn himself into, and I don't even want to say he has to be exactly Giannis, um, because I don't. I don't like. I don't like setting the bar for a player to be another player, because then it, then we just get left disappointed and we 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 give these unrealistic expectations. But if he can model his game after Giannis, where he shoots some threes, but he's not like some prolific three point shooter, I'm fine with that. I, all, right. Like I, he just needs to be able to attack, and I think he's hesitant to even do that at times. My bigger thing with the shooting the threes right now is if he's going to do it, if they're trying to make that a point of his game right now in 2024, he has to do it more often in these games or else when we get to the playoffs, nobody's going to take him seriously from out there. Nobody's going to step right. out on him. Like, okay. So that's my point. They're, they're trying to make it a thing right now. Whether or not that's what he should be doing or not, we can debate that. But right. he, he needs to take more if they're trying to make that part of his arsenal right now so that it helps him in the long run in the playoffs. That's my point. They need to make him get in that paint because he's quick off his feet. He can handle the ball a little bit and attack that bad. They need to get away from him and uh, Allen playing together also. You know, look, they got where they were because they spread the floor and shot. Yeah. They, hey, you got, you got to play Merrill more, man. You know, I watched him last night. Lavert was old for ten. Merrill in the game, and they just throw they throwing the ball one time. He opened in the corner, throwing the ball. One. Look, it's all about the coaching and the system, man. But all right, the Cavs are in second place now. They're gonna finish in fourth or fifth, and they will be a first round exit. Because I was just mm. watching New York last night. Boston blew them out at the end, but them boys played hard. 
They, there's a difference of being physical and playing hard. All right, all right, Leaders William. don't play yeah, hard. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Appreciate the call, William. I mean, I think the playing hard thing kind of goes back to the, the uh, kind of goes back to the toughness thing. I, I do think it's funny that the, the Knicks won by 14 points, and he was citing it as like, man, those Knicks, those Knicks are a good team. Like, yeah, I mean, they might be, but. I'm not going. On, I'm not going to use a game where they lost the best team in the East and be like, "Oh man, they're really good." Like if they take them down to the wire or something overtime, maybe. But the Knicks can be beat too, and they're also injured right now, so we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, Dave and Solon, what's going on, Dave? Hey, I, I've been watching the Cavs this year, and I really don't see any difference between this year and last year. Uh, they have no inside physical defensive presence, and I can't see them getting by Milwaukee, Boston. Philadelphia or New York in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be an early exit. Mm. And it's, it's just obvious to me that as soon as Donovan Mitchell leaves, they are in a world of hurt because Darius Garland is regressed. Well, not necessarily, Dave, because if they're able to trade Mitchell if he doesn't stay and they get some assets back in return, you could always flip those assets for somebody else and, and sort of here's the thing that is at the benefit of the Cavs. Because they have such a young roster, Garland's 25. Mobley's 22, I think. Um, Like, Allen's still only 25. There's a chance that, like, you can rework this thing and try with a different iteration of players and see if that sticks better than what you're getting with... um, what you're getting, obviously, with, like, Mitchell and, and Garland and all these guys playing together right now. So... That's the beauty the Cavs have at their disposal. This isn't like a LeBron situation where once they trade Mitchell, Mitchell they're in a complete world of hurt because they have the cupboards are bare and there's nothing they can do. They should get something back for him if that were to happen, or just a straight up player that they could insert. And then you just you kind of you have time because the players are so young to try a different uh, concoction of players and see if that works better. They actually have time to do that this time around, versus when LeBron left, you were just left with nothing. Mark and Euclid. What's up, Mark? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, I, I don't think the, co- the problem is Bickerstaff, man. The problem is the turnovers and the inconsistency from Evan Mobley. That's the biggest problem. I mean, and then you get yesterday, LeVert couldn't hit the back of a barn. I mean, you can't put that off on Bickerstaff. The yeah. biggest pro- And I want to see Mobley be able to shoot the three and stretch the floor because it's going to open up everything else. We need him to be that guy. We don't need him to clog the paint with Allen or anything. I mean, you need to have a big that can go yeah. in. And at least, at least like not while Allen's here. I, I think we sort of realize those two guys just manning the paint doesn't work in today's NBA. So yeah. if they ever got rid of Jared Allen, like traded him, then yeah, then maybe that becomes Mobley's role. But I agree with you that if, if, if this is the team you have right now, they need him to be that three-point shooter and they need him to take more, which is I think what they're trying to do, but he needs to be more confident in doing it. I'm, I'm with you on that, Mark. And, and I'm going to tell you, I love the Donovan Mitchell trade. The only the only thing they got wrong, they got rid of the unicorn and Lori marketing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Everyone, hoping, uh, yeah. we all we all bring that up. For yeah, sure. we all. I mean, because if you look at it, you're looking for Evan Evan Mobley to put up the stats of a marketing. You know, and yeah. we, you already had him here. But I mean, it's 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 in the rearview mirror. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, but but yeah. No problem, Mark. We're going to be all right once we get a full. Once we get our alpha male back in there, we're going to be all right. All right, Mark. Appreciate the call. Yeah, it's more confidence from Mark after a couple callers who said it's going to be another first round exit for Cleveland. Where's your head at with with that? Given the recent uh, 
the recent happenings and Darius Garland's play. You still thinking first round exit? You still think there's a chance they get to the second round? Uh, you can call in and give us your thoughts on that. What I do think is funny before I get to this other this other thing with from Chauncey Billups real quick. I do think it's funny that we're a year removed, where I to from a point where I feel like everybody who called into this station about the Cavs was just ready to go off on a tangent about why JB Bickerstaff needed to be fired. And we've already had two or three callers today who have said the problem's not JB Bickerstaff. The problem is Darius Garland. So it's funny where we avert our anger to. Where like where we direct our anger is just funny because a year ago, JB Bickerstaff couldn't coach worth a damn, couldn't coach his way out of a damn paper bag. And now all of a sudden we're like, well, JB Bickerstaff's not the problem. He's great. But yeah, at Darius Garland, he sucks. This is what I mean when I say we treat this sport like the NFL sometimes, and it's crazy. We've we've completely shifted our our viewpoints of J.B. Bickerstaff because he got through that that stretch without Garland and Mobley, and, and now it's just all on Garland stinking and and Mobley not doing enough. Which I which listen, I brought those points up, so that's on me. But I do think Bickerstaff, some of this still falls on his on his desk when you're the head coach. Like it's up to you to pull out of Evan Mobley what you're trying to get out of Evan Mobley and make him more confident. That's what coaching is. 